Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome everyone to the Blazer Focus Podcast. I'm a very somber. Aaron Fentress, along with Craig Bernbach. Uh, not as somber. <laughs> not as somber. I'm, I'm, I just got back from a two-game road trip covering the Blazers, and I'm, I'm somber because the tank, the tank is DOA. And I don't even know if it even arrived anywhere, because I don't think it ever left the building. But the tank I was hoping for, the tank that would lead to a top-five pick, which for me would give me a chance to like dive into mock drafts and get all excited about some a 19-year-old the Blazers might draft has been absolutely detonated by the play of Anfred and Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, Josh Hart, Justice Winslow, and a bunch of diaper dandies to quote Dick Vitale. I don't know what to do with myself, but this team is going to the postseason, Craig. I'm saying it right now. They are playing so well. I Listen, let me just start with this. I sat there in Milwaukee, second quarter. I looked over at Casey Holdall, who covers the team for the, for the Blazers. And I said, dude, these guys are playing phenomenal basketball. Like forget it wasn't about being hot or the other team not. It was like the ball movement, the, the decision making, the, the cutting, the slack. Like it was just crazy. And Casey agreed, obviously. And then we sat there and watched in awe as they whipped the defending champions. Granted, Giannis didn't play. But that didn't matter, really, because of how well they played. Then they go to Memphis with John Morant, matching a career-high 44, and they win there in a game where Memphis came back and made it a one-point lead for them with under two minutes to go, and they figured out a way to win. Craig, I'm stunned. I'm not going to lie. You know I don't like to be wrong, but when I'm factually wrong, I will admit it. I said they wouldn't win more than six games the rest of the season, and they've already won four since I said that. Craig, talk while I go sob a little bit. <laughs> I, I would just like to say, I told you tanking ain't easy. Like, you don't just get to say tank. I said players don't tank. You know, they don't. Sense, and, co- and coaches don't tank. No. Nope. So I, you can make the moves, and it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to tank. And that's exactly what happened. You went and got some new players who got some opportunities. I mean, Justice Winslow, look, I love Josh Hart. We talked about it last podcast. Mm -hmm. I loved him. I loved his effort. I said we're going to see a guy take the ball off the rim and just go 100 miles an hour to the other end, and (laughs) that's exactly what we've seen. And that's what he does. He's kamikaze. He doesn't care. Does not care. (laughs) And he does. And Justice Winslow, that's, to me, been the – 
a big surprise. We just haven't seen this guy. People said he had his, you know, his hip replaced. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are not things that happen to 20-year-olds. And he no, is not it was, only... it was a displacement surgery, not a replacement surgery. Right. 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 But, but people had said he had his hip replaced. That's right. what I was reading before. And I'm like, yeah. well, you know, that's not usually good yeah. at 20-something. <laughs> uh, but right, he explained that that surgery wasn't quite a hip replacement. But still, right. the guy's been banged up his entire NBA career. Right. So I... I did not expect a guy to not just be that athletic, but be that ready to play an intricate part on both ends of the floor. I mean, on offense, this guy's got tons of confidence. He grabs the ball, looks for passes, makes passes that have to be like perfect, does it? Uh, yeah, I think that to me, the, the four game winning streak, like the first three games, I could explain away if you asked me. Yeah. You know, the Lakers were, a, you know, just an actual, yeah, they're a car wreck right now. <laughs> they came in. They, Russell Westbrook didn't play in that game because he was quote unquote hurt. Uh, and that was just, you know, okay, bunch of guys. That's on the Lakers. The Knicks, trust me, I know what the Knicks do. They <laughs> collapse in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't shocking uh, that the Knicks would, they'd beat it. T- team like the Knicks to collapse and Milwaukee you can explain away because no Giannis and he's you know the best player in the world maybe on both sides of the court but Memphis come on that was just they play so hard but not just hard it's like suddenly this Chauncey Billups thing is that I want players to play my way Mm -hmm. oh oh that works like you're like oh what you meant okay (laughs) I see that you know what I mean? Like you got it. It just, it was, it is. Now I will say this. I love how you've gone from this team's going to finish in dead last to this team <laughs> going to the playoffs. Cause let's not forget, you don't lose the draft pick. If you just get in the play in, you got to get in the tournament. The, the, right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so finishing 10th doesn't guarantee anything no. that would keep, you'd still pro- probably have the two, you know, lottery picks. So now that said, they might never lose again. <laughs> they, might, they might never lose again. <laughs> I can't go there. I can't quite go that far. But let's let's segue of that course. right. Let's go right into yep. topic one here. All right, listen. I believe they are going to at least be in the plan. And can I, I, and can I just tell people that are listening? Aaron's brain is hurting. Like I can see him physically <laughs> struggling with what what he's about to like talk about because he had convinced himself that. That there was zero possibility of this ever happening, Dude, and he's a, and he's about to speak words that he doesn't want come out of his mouth, but he knows they have to. Hey, facts are facts. Say what you want about me arguing, not wanting to be wrong, but I based my opinions on facts. And when you're wrong, you're wrong. A fact is a fact. Math is math. I was wrong, and I know for a fact. I know for a fact that the Blazers have been actively checking out players who will probably go very, very high in the draft. So there definitely was a feeling that this roster was going to get blasted, and now they're doing way better than anyone thought. So the question is, do do they need to shift? And the, the players, like we said, players and coaches are, are going to play to win. But does the organization need to shift this mindset to, oh, we're not going to be picking in the top five unless we magically win the lottery. I mean, they could, you know, they could get into play and lose – have, you know, the 10th worst record and then win the lottery. That could still happen, obviously. But do you say, huh, maybe they need to bring back Damien? Now, before we get to that, I'm just going to say, first of all, I think they're going to make the plan without Damien coming back because their schedule, even though it's tough 
off the bat when they come back. They got Golden State, Denver at home, at Phoenix, two at Minnesota, at Utah. That's going to be a wicked stretch of six games. If they go 500 in that stretch, they're going to the playoff playoffs. They just win two of those. They're going to be in great shape because there's a stretch coming up later of 11 games where they play Indiana, Detroit, three against San Antonio, back-to-back home games against Houston, OKC twice, and the Pelicans twice. That's 11 games, nine of which are against four of the worst teams in the league, and the Pelicans haven't been playing that well since they got CJ. That's a stretch where this team, the way they're playing, can win seven or eight. If that were to happen, they're going to be in the play-in. It's a given, regardless of what happens with the other games they play. So I'm just going to ask you, do you think this team... It's postseason bound, even without Damien. Or do you think what we've seen so far is flukish and things will flip? So I will say that I've always thought that why I said tanking ain't easy is because the tenth because <laughs> the tenth spot's not that hard, right? Getting into the tenth spot, you don't have to have a win. You're probably not going to have to have a winning record. Well, nope. you won't. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to happen, right? So yes, they could get to the tenth spot, and. Then anything can happen, you know, once you're there. So, yes, they could get to the 10th spot, which means if things go their way, they could make it to the playoffs. Exactly. That said, do I think that you can evaluate this and, you know, where this team's going to end up based on the first four game, you know, this four game winning streak? No, I don't, because I think that there are other things at stake for some of the other teams. Like, yes, everyone's, you know, New Orleans is one and three since this trade. They're going to, the CJ and CJ scored a lot of points. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's been his fault, but it's still a big change when you bring in a volume scorer like that to a team and you got to figure it out and they will have to figure out how to, to, I'm going to use the word protect CJ defensively. You know what I mean? Like that's a thing when you, you bring in a guy that, is what he is. You got to figure out his skills. I think New Orleans, you do too, it, that this trade was good for them. If they get Zion back. No, but they're a better team, you think, with CJ. With CJ and Zion, that trio, I think, would be very no, no, I know, but I'm just if saying, they don't they get Zion back. If they don't get Zion back, I don't think they're much of a threat of anything. I think the Blazers, with Hart playing the way he's playing, and we know Hart's better defensively than CJ, I think the Blazers are better. Yeah, I guess, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's a, you're basing that on the, what you've seen in the last four games. Cause if I would have asked you that yeah. day of trade, no. So that's right, what I'm no. saying. We, we yeah. don't know. Look, and here's the other part. Here's the other thing. People always, uh, I think I say people always, sometimes people forget th- that, uh, coaches are really good <laughs> in the NBA and the NFL. They'll scout, you know, these guys, no one had a clue what was. What's going to happen? True. And so it's been a four game, uh, trip and, and no, no one's seen Justice Winslow play significant minutes for a long time. <laughs> so there's no scouting report. Oh, when Justice Winslow's in the game, we've either, we're winning by a lot or losing by a lot. You know, there wasn't like, oh, this guy could pass out of the post and holy crap, when this, this guy's going to go, he's going to guard LeBron and cause problems. And while Josh Hart has been a known entity, he's now bringing the ball up. And basically acting like the point guard at a lot of times, which is not what they're going in scouting the Blazers that way. Right. So you just have to remember there will be a reaction. And and I don't know where that's going to be. All I know is that this team for four games has shocked the living 
you know, as my son likes to say, when he eats a very sweet strawberry, it knocked my socks off. <laughs> like, you know, they, it's just been like the kind of thing where we're like, what the heck is this? This is an extremely they well coached team that's running uh, things on both sides of the court and just on transitioning. I mean, we're seeing transition, Aaron, that we yes. just have not seen on a Blazer roster for so long. And it looks like they had a training camp and a bunch of practices. And we know that's not true. There were times last season, and look, Stotts was doing totally different things than what Billups is doing. And I'm not blaming Stotts and saying he was wrong for this at all because they were one of the best offenses in the, in the league last year. And Dame and CJ were the focal point, et cetera. Then they got Powell. But there were times last season where like Simons would get the ball when he was in and he wouldn't push it up court and attack. He would just sort of walk it up and they'd look to run their little guard action to get a three off. And now we're seeing Simon's in a situation where he gets the ball and it's like, go and do what you want to do. If you're going to attack, you're going to attack and kick, you're going to do whatever you want. And Billups wants them to run a lot. He said this the other night because they're undersized at the four. Um, they've got a lot of inexperience, but they have guys who can run the court. And when you get everyone out and running, especially the young guys, they're going to hustle and run because they might get the ball and everyone's yep. playing unselfishly. And then that can lead you to, if it's not a fast break basket, is still getting into your half court uh, flow really quickly and everyone's moving in there. Everyone's thinking and seeing things. And it's just been pretty phenomenal to watch. And obviously we're going to talk about this later, but Billups deserves a lot of credit for that. But I just, everything you said is right. Teams are going to adjust. Like I said, Golden State, Denver, Phoenix, two at Minnesota and Utah coming up. There's no way I believe they're going to win more than two of those, all right? It's just that they play too many teams that are mediocre to yep. bad that I just don't think those teams are going to be able to adjust. And the fact that Simons and Nurkic as a one-outside combination are absolutely putting up. I mean, dude, they're putting up phenomenal super they're, – they're putting up Penny Shaq numbers. Like, they're putting up, you know, uh, Marbury-Garnett. Not that they were a great combination, but they're putting up amazing – not, I don't want to say historical, but extremely good point guard center numbers. And if you're doing, if you're getting that from those two, you're going to whip a lot of teams. You just are. Right. Right now, if you looked at the Blazers, you'd see a big, you'd see a big three with Hart, Simons, and Nurkic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this, right. Exactly. Like in this four games, they're like, well, they got their big three. So exactly. I guess now they just need role players. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> no, the, the number I'm watching, you know, Nurkic, um, Nurkic in Memphis was just, what everyone's dreamed about. You know, Dude, that's him at his full potential. Mode. That was oh, the boss of the beast. Clutch, and, and, again, clutch. and against another beast. I wrote, I put in my article that it was like Godzilla versus Mothra. Like they were just down there just pounding each other. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Didn't mean to no, no, it's exactly right. <laughs> nope. It was, it's, it was, it was fun to watch and it was all the things like suddenly I think people's eyes were like, Oh, maybe, maybe keeping him. Now I see why people say keeping him. Oh, they're going to try to keep sense. There's no doubt. Well, hundred percent. I know, and but hundred percent. What I'm saying is, when we first started this, I said that, and you thought it was crazy talk. I still have reservations though, because the thing with him is, when he's not a focal point, he tends to pout and throw things out there, right? Yep. About how he's not getting this, not getting that. And so I'm just thinking, okay, if you got Dame, Ant, Hart, whoever they draft, whoever they trade for, if they got like a Jeremy Grant or someone like that. Nurkic is not going to be a top three option on this team. He's going to be the center and asked to do a bunch of dirty work and pass and blah, blah, blah. And so is he going to be accepting of that? And or can you get a more athletic big, which I don't know if they can because they aren't out there. So, yes, I do have reservations, but I absolutely believe they're going to keep them. Of yeah. course. But yeah. that's why you pay. That's why you brought Chauncey Billups in. And that's why you hope that Dame's leadership and that special relationship can make that 
that work and also for really, really good teams who win a lot, sometimes they win different ways. And it, and what, and with the way this league is, there will be times, even with that crew that you mentioned, that Nurkic will end up being the matchup advantage. So if he buys into that, which is the job right. of, the job of, of, of your front office, but all, of course your coach and a little bit of Damian Lillard. And speaking of Damian Lillard, mm. so he's getting better. <laughs> I think the assumption was, why would you bring Dame back? Now, I know you asked Anthony Simons that exact question, <laughs> and it's, I think it's just, isn't I it fun? That's, too. <laughs> Go ahead. Isn't it fun that it's a, it is a question now? Oh, I mean, where, where do you land on this? Hey, listen, they made it clear, Cronin made it clear at the uh, uh, trade deadline press conference that it was unlikely Dame was going to play given the state of the team, right? Which meant they knew the team was going to be weak. And why would you bring him back and win some games when you shouldn't be winning those games, right? And the they wanted him to have the mental time off too because he's been the focal point of this franchise for nine sure. years and not the, he gets the physical rest and the mental rest. But if that if that variable changes, we're okay, well, now we're not going to stink even without Dame. We're going to make the postseason in the play-in. And if Dame is fully healthy, which this he's supposed to be reevaluated, I think this upcoming week, next week. Yep. If he becomes 100%, if he's 90, if he's even 85, 90, I'm like, eh, maybe you don't bring him back regardless of what's going to happen. But if he comes, if he's 95 to 100% ready to go and you're going to be in the postseason in any capacity, how do you not bring him back? Because if the draft pick is dead, right? Other than you could just be in the lottery and and then you keep the pick and don't lose it to Chicago. But if the high pick is dead, why are you not going to go for it to get into the playoffs? I just don't see why you wouldn't bring Dame back and make that run. So once again, I just want to remind. Stop. Get get <laughs> no, but getting into the play-in. Oh, that's going to say something else. I was going to say no, once again, it, I want to remind that Fentress said this would never happen. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm just saying, like the way that playoffs are set up with this play-in game, I don't think. You know, it's different if the Blazers are pushing to get to the eighth spot at the end than if they're in tenth. You know, look who they would play. They'd play right now. They'd play Minnesota, the Clippers, who are weak. Without, I don't know. We don't know what's going on with George yet. Kawhi's not coming back. Uh, Powell just got hurt. I don't know how long he's out for though. Anthony Davis and the Lakers. Anthony Davis is hurt. Lakers are just a mess. Like right now, that's the four team playoff: Minnesota, Clippers, Lakers, Portland. You, I, I will not buy for a second that if you add Damian Lillard back to this squad and he's the MVP caliber Damian Lillard we saw last season that they don't beat those three teams so right now yes but I mean when Anthony Davis comes back and you've got playoff LeBron you know that's that's a tough win it's one and done you know what I mean yeah. like and you got to win too right. so depending on where you are in that so but you can once win again, if, yes but if you're yes. at 10th you have to win too Right. So I'm just saying, it's just not a guarantee. There's so many intricate parts. I'm just saying there's intricate parts to this. Right. That it's not just like, well, you're an eighth, you beat the one seed, you move on. You know what I mean? Like you got to win two. And so bringing him back doesn't guarantee any, you know, that you lose the lottery pick. It's just not that you can be 10th and still, you know, end up. Oh, yeah. I I should say Having having two first round picks. So as much as you want to say that dream of a top five pick is dead, you know, well, I mean, yeah, you're right. right. I I mean, I meant in terms of your probability, your high high and probability goes away. Yes. That's what I mean. But you also will, if you, to me, if you keep two first round draft picks, you have a chance to get 
to steal something. Turn that it, and you could get into the top five, right. maybe. You know what I mean? Depending on what you do. Still guarantee, but so here's my take on this. Um, this is where Damian Lillard gets to do what kind of what he wants. <laughs> you know, like if Dame now I would I would say that if he's eighty five percent, I I don't think it matters until he's a hundred percent and he says, I want to play. Because players play and they get paid, you know, he gets paid forty million bucks to play. And your fans kind of deserve that. But so I do think it's gonna come down to where they are and where Dame is. But I think and it's kind of a cop out answer that I'm gonna give, but there's so much yet to be decided. I just think it's interesting that it's now an actual question. When before it was a well, we'll see where Dame is at. Well, everyone was like, yeah, okay, we'll see where Dame's at. Like, meaning, is he going to be on the bench or is he going to just keep, you know, is he going to leave early and work work <laughs> out from home? Now it's like, is Dame going to be in uniform? Uh, I don't think we're at that point where they have to contemplate that yet because I don't think he'll be 100%. But I think it's, hey, look, you know Dame loves to, if Dame thinks he's got a shot at all, he's going to want to play. I would think, I mean, he said himself he wouldn't come back if they're playing for a draft pick. That wouldn't make any right. sense. Why would you bring him back? And it was clear that they thought they were playing for a draft pick. That's why Cronin said it was unlikely Dane would return given where the team is and they wanted him yep. to get that rest. But I just think if, if this team keeps winning and it's like, we're going to be in the play and, you know, we're not going to, you know, finish with a, the one of the worst five records in the league and he's healthy, I think y- you bring him back, you know, and it would be fun to see what this team would look like because also, you know, anything could happen with Hart. Anything could happen with Winslow if a trade comes up in the offseason, right? Everyone's pretty much going to be on the block in some capacity, except for Simons and, of course, Nurkic, unless there's a sign and trade. Um, but it, it, it would be who? And Dame. Yeah. And Dame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I meant, I meant, sorry, I meant the people that we're seeing right now. Yeah. Um, so, so my thing is, why would you not want to bring Dame back to play with Hart, to play with Ant as the starting two, to play with Winslow? And, and yes. I mean, that starting five right there, Dame, Ant, Hart, Winslow, Nurkic, to have that team you run together. How, you want to see how it looks. Yeah, and, and make Absolutely. a run and get to the postseason and see if you can win the play-in. And yeah, you're probably going to lose the Phoenix in the first round. But I'm going to tell you right now, that team, if Dame is Dame, that team can beat Phoenix. I don't. I think Phoenix is really good. I do not think they're unbeatable good. They're not the Warriors with Durant and, and, and Curry. They're not unbeatable good. And you offensively would match up with them very, very well, and you would have a big. So I'm not saying they win that series. I'm saying that series is going six. Who's because I'm gonna ask you right now, who's who's guard I'm saying who's guarding that backcourt combo? Paul? Is Paul guarding both? I mean, it Booker's solid one. defensively. Booker's guard, solid now. But but I'm taking Ant. Oh, I'm taking I'm saying Ant athletically is taking Paul wherever he wants to take Paul. That's all I'm saying. Because of the size advantage and the athleticism and possesses. Yeah, I, mean, I don't Chris know if Paul, Paul would, wants... Right. He's 37. He, I don't think he wants... I'm, my point is... those two are game. Gonna, yeah. Those two are going to put up numbers. And if those two are putting up numbers and Nurk is Nurk, they're going to be a threat to win that series. And I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, it's not crazy. You know what you kind of described right there? Uh, CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, and Yusuf Nurkic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but listen, like I hey, like I like I said, I've always said that his floor, Ant's floor I is know, a more athletic, a more athletic CJ. There's a different. You get, can elevate that floater, dude. His floater is just Picasso. It's Picasso. 
We're going to get there. All right, we're going to get there. We're going to okay. let you go on, so, Anne. So the thing that sucks about this, though, is I'm just going to put it out there. It hurts the franchise long term that they're that they probably aren't going to get that top five pick. Getting that top five pick could be just franchise changing. And I just want to tell everyone a story real quick. This is, I'm a Bulls fan. I put it out there. I'll put this out there just so you know what I'm talking about, how this can hurt. 2017-18 season, the Bulls were supposed to suck. Get a high pick. That was my plan. That was every fan's plan. And that was the Bulls' plan. And early in the season, the Bulls were 3-20. and 20. They were horrible. And it was glorious. And then all of a sudden, Miritich came back. And the Bulls wanted to showcase Miritich to make him a trade bait. So they could get something for him. And then these morons went out and let Miritich basically <laughs> become Larry Bird. He was Larry Bird for like two weeks. He was unfreaking stoppable. They went, they won 10 out of 12 games after starting three and 20. It, and the whole time I'm like, what are you morons doing? Well, fast forward the rest of the season. They slowed down a little bit. They traded him to the Pelicans for a second round pick. The Pelicans then used him to beat, to sweep the Blazers, by the way. And then the, the Bulls went back to, to sucking. Well, they ended up with the seventh pick and they took Wendell Carter, a nice player whom they've since traded. But guess who went fifth? Trey Young. Guess who went third? Luka Doncic. And that's where you just kill yourself. If I was Jim Paxson at the time, who was running the, the, the Bulls, and I saw Miritich doing what he was doing, I would have traded him for a box of crayons. I would have just, who wants him? What are you going to give me? You're going to give me that guy at the end of your bench who doesn't play? Fine. Get him off my roster because he's costing me a top three pick. The worst thing the Blazers have ever done in the last 10 years, as much whining as people do about, oh, shit, shit, then this, oh, shit, blah, 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 all these junior DMs who don't know what the hell they're talking about, was overachieving, overachieving 2015-16 because Vegas had him 21 and a half. Over under. They should have gone under and got a top three pick. They would have had Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, or Brandon Ingram over the last six years. That would have changed the direction of the franchise. So what they're doing might be fun for some fans, and it's kind of a cool story. But at the end of the day, if they're going to miss out on potentially a future all-star power forward, which there are some future all-star power forwards probably in this draft, that is going to hurt long term. So I'm going to just say two things, and we can move Tank on. Tank it ain't easy. <laughs> One, tanking ain't easy, which is what I said, and you can't just flip a switch. And then the second one, I will say that Kevin Durant. <laughs> That's all I'll say. When you said the, the biggest mistake the Blazers have made. I said last I'll 10 say, years. I said last 10 years. Okay. I see. I threw last uh, 10 years in there just for people to say bring up Durant. No, that was a mistake, but that was a hindsight mistake. People thought Odin was going to be good. Uh, but anyway, oh, yeah, yeah last, last 10 years, like of all the things, it's like, they overachieved that year. And the Blazers won at the tank. Their goal was the tank. They literally, like, yeah, they, no, they, thought, I, they lost Aldridge. I, they thought, we were going to suck. This would be great. And Lillard and McCollum had other ideas. Right. Because they drafted they drafted pretty well, like, before that. And that's where you are. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I look, as a Nick, you know, growing up a Knicks fan, you don't have to tell me what what it means missing out on draft picks and and, <laughs> and not and not hitting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. even when we got him, we picked the wrong guys. And I'm still hoping RJ Barrett's going to end up being Michael Jordan. You know, like it just doesn't <laughs> it just doesn't happen when you get a top five pick. I mean, we it, Porzingis, it's a you know, shoot. it's a crap yeah, shoot. yeah, Porzingis. Um, yeah. So there's a little bit to that, and I will say. You know what? The but there's one difference. Go ahead. But there's one difference. Go ahead. But when you when you look at 
draft picks, first of all, if they have two first round draft picks, they might be able to turn one into a top five. You know what I mean? Like with, with some other, with parts, there's ways to move up. Second, you could get a guy. It's this draft's interesting because they say it's so heavy with the top, you know, three or four. So it makes it difficult to feel good about it. But there's been plenty of drafts where guys went eight or nine that end up being better than three and four. So uh, it it's not the end of the world until it's the end of the world. You know what I mean? Like sometimes right. you just don't know, especially with the European picks. I mean, we didn't you hear? But come on, we didn't we didn't know the Mavericks hit just possibly picked you know a guy that's going to end up being a top gosh knows how many player i mean Mm. that changes the game Uh, but yeah i mean tanking ain't easy that's what happens you got to kind of suck it up you know because there's nothing else you can do because you can't but there are you know some things you could do and that that moves us to 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 another topic we want to talk about let me let me me respond because here's the difference so the Knicks and like my Bulls, they were already in rebuild mode and they stunk, right? And so they were trying to get guys who could become a number one star and help elevate them. The Blazers are in a situation where if they're healthy, they're not even close to a bottom five team. Right. So the gift of the injury put them in position to steal a top five pick. Now you're adding a top five pick to Lillard you're adding a top five pick to Nurkic and to what Ant has become and Nasir and Hart and Winslow. And so you're, he's, he be, that, that person becomes not your savior. He becomes an addition to and sets you up for an Ant and then maybe a dynamic duel between Ant and that person moving forward. So like, for example, if they added Porzingis to this team, holy crap, that would have been like amazing. But if Porzingis is supposed to carry you, then yeah, it's not, it didn't work out. So that's, that's yeah, the that, part. That, that's and awesome so, for th- for the thirty games that he plays. Oh, I'm sorry, right. am I bitter? <laughs> but like, like take the like take the Lakers when the Lakers back in the day, the Magic. You know, the Lakers were bad um, with, with Kareem, and then they got Magic, and they got better. But then they went and added Worthy to that. You know, so I'm not saying I'm comparing. Yeah, it's the Spurs. It's the Spurs when adding, they, they had Dan Robinson. Dunk- they got Tim Duncan. Right. It's the Robinson Warriors. Hurt and the, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, no. So anyway, go ahead. I think. Yeah. No. I think that. Yes, they're in better position. Look, you you almost gave my the Knicks too much credit for a lot of years, like that they had a strategy. So I'm not even <laughs> my bad. I'm not even going to go there. But yeah, there there are things that can happen. There have been, there are injuries that that suddenly pop up. Eric Bledsoe's got an Achilles injury, so you know, is that something that you think could happen? I I will say I don't. I don't. With see play, the, you mean with with impact players right now? Also, yeah, like I I mean. Maybe depending on how it goes, you might rest Nurkic. But as much as you talked about what the Bulls did when they wanted to showcase a player, the Blazers are also in a position they need to see what these guys are. And some of them might not be here. And so you do want to showcase. Is CJL be an NBA basketball player? Like he has to play now. So are, you're not going to sit CJL be well, with a He's not. Talent. He's not the problem. The problem are Simon's Hart, Winslow, and Nurkic. Right. Well, that's the issue. <laughs> so the only one you mentioned there that would be a, a thing with, in my mind is Simon's because the other two guys you want to see them play, and there's a possibility you might showcase them. I mean it. A week ago, of course, you might uh, get you know get rid of them. Now you're like, holy crap! Like, should we get the? Should we find space in the rafters? You know, is it time to put them up? So <laughs> things will change. Now. But yeah, I don't I don't see the Blazers really 
really doing that unless things get out of control where they're not going to get in that 10 spot. But if they're, they're in contention, I think that they're all, they're all going to play and unless they really get hurt, which is a real possibility because, yeah. you know, Nurkic just could get hurt at any minute, as we know. Simon's, you know, so far so good, but you know he has never played this many minutes. You know, at some point, maybe pull something. But no, I don't. I don't see it. Do you? I mean, I don't know. I. It's hard to know exactly what could be going through people's heads. Like, like I said before, this this upcoming six game stretch is going to be a bear. And um, you know, after that, maybe we see some strategic load management. You know, I don't know. It's like it. You know, the franchise can manipulate these things, and they can do it in a way where it's not blatantly obvious, although it might be suspect. Um, and you can say, okay, well, we don't want this. We don't want to be 10th in the plan. We want a lot. We want to be guaranteed lottery out the gate. We want to fall to sixth or seventh at least. And so then all of a sudden, magically, you sort of see some things happen. Or maybe just like, you know, it could be a situation where Hart twists his ankle and is going to miss two games, ends up missing seven. You know, Nurkic is just load management. He's going to sit out all of a sudden or, or, or Simon's even. I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in terms of if they decide they're going to be all in on trying to get into the postseason or if they try and do some certain things to manipulate things so that they don't get in the postseason. Because I still think that high pick is just, oh, my God. And to your point before, if they end up with two lottery picks, you can also trade those two lottery picks. Maybe that helps you get Jeremy Grant. Hey, Detroit, we'll give you this. We'll give you Bledsoe's expiring contract, these two lottery picks to help you rebuild. Jeremy Grant makes a lot of money. He's not, And Jeremy Grant is not playing well in Detroit. Like his points and rebounds are nice, but his shooting percentages have fallen off completely from where they were in Denver. So maybe they're, if I'm D- Detroit, I'm thinking, yeah, we want to get this guy off our books. We don't pay him 30 million a year. And Portland wants him. I think he would thrive in Portland playing with Damon and his shooting percentages would go up. Um, so maybe they, they take two lottery picks and a salary match to get it done. Uh, one thing or the trade exception. Shoot. Yes. That's what I was saying. It doesn't, yeah. it's not the end of the world. If you, if you don't, yes, getting the top five pick is the Aaron Fentress dream and it makes total sense. <laughs> No, it makes sense what you're saying, but having two lottery picks allows for other things to happen. Right. Training for a player. And one thing I'll say about the Jeremy Grant thing, I always, I always tell people take the points on a bad team with a grain of salt. Every NBA team scores 100 points somehow. Some of them lose by 20. You got to score 100. So if you're playing seven guys, somebody got to get 20. Like it's just impossible. (laughs) Right. 100%. I mean, Gerald, Gerald, you know. uh, Anyone who plays fantasy basketball knows this. Yeah. Gerald Wilk is one of my favorite players of all time because he was on the the worst Nick team after, you know, after Patrick Ewing tore his knee in his second year and he averaged like 18 back when they scored 80. And I was like, this guy's going to be an all-star just like his brother. And, you know, he was a solid defensive role player, but right. somebody's got to score points. Uh, Eddie Lee Wilkins once scored 30 points and no one knows who Eddie Lee Wilkins is. I'm just, it just happens in the NBA. You are listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. But one guy who can score points and a lot of points and suddenly some clutch points, it's your man. It's the Ant Man. Yeah. Uh. What's it been like for you to you got to, you know, see him on the road hit probably you know, that's as big a shot as he's made in a re- you know, in his NBA career to just step up and ice it in Memphis. Mm. It was so gorgeous. 
And here's the great thing about that game is that Memphis is one of the rare places left that allow media to sit courtside. I was oh, second row. Nice. I was second row for that game. I heard Billups launching F-bombs at officials. It was amazing. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is great. This is how it used to be back in the day. Um, no, I, I really – part of the reason I went on this trip was there's a lot of new guys. Um, so I want to see Simons in action on the road as now – because this is his team for the rest of the year unless Dane comes back. And I got a chance to sit down with him for about 45 minutes for one-on-one for – a feature I'll be doing next week. All right, uh, there great, it is. You great sell kid. that, man. Sell it hard. Great kid, dude. Fun to talk man. about. Great, great young man. Spoke to his parents as well and some people who were around him when he grew up. Uh, we, we had a great conversation. But it was, yeah, it was nice to just see him in that element where he had to be the guy. And I, I asked Bill, so I was like, is that the shot you want? A step back virtual fadeaway three with the game on the line. And he said, I won the ball in the hands of my guy. And he was the guy. And he was going to do what he was going to do. And Ann just said, hey, based on how they were playing me, this was a shot. And he stuck it, and it was absolutely – it looked just like perfect. a Lillard play. Like, it was just oh, it was like a Lillard done. I tweeted something about, hey, he clearly was paying attention to Lillard all these years because this mirrored Lillard. And he knocked it down with ice water in his veins. It's it's just fun to watch his evolution. It's just, it's just been crazy. And especially when you you know, you know like start touting the kid when he's 18 and no one, or 19 yeah. and no one really cares about him knows who he is. Uh, and then watch him blossom like this. It's been a lot of fun. And he, he really – like he really showed a lot on that trip because he was in two places. Yeah, you know, Grant Giannis didn't play, but still, yeah, Drew Holiday on him. You know, sure. Drew Holiday is one of the best backcourt defenders in the league. Drew ends up with six or seven turnovers, not Ant. You know, and and Ant handled all the blitzes they were doing at him. And, and like, here's here's one of the coolest things about him that I think is obvious. And I talked to Coach Hetzel, assistant coach uh, with them, who's really been working one on one with Ant with a lot on his point guard um, duties as in terms of playmaker. Is that you know, Billups warned a long time ago. The more, he, the better he plays, the more different coverages people are going to throw at him. He's going to have to learn and navigate and work through these things. And you can see him working. Like, and he talked about. I asked him, you know, about you know, first quarter. You know, you seen this just sort of be picking your spots. He goes, Yeah, I want to see how they're playing me. I want to keep everyone involved, move the ball around, and then once I figure out what they're doing and what kind of switches I can get and things I can get, that's when I attack. Um, and so that's why sometimes he'll start off slowly. And then like in Milwaukee, boom, he scored five. And then like a few minutes later, he dropped three, three, three. And just like that, within a few minutes, he'd put up 14, like, like literally just boom. And it was just him sort of measuring. Now he came out hot against Memphis. And he said, again, that was just the way they were playing him. But you see him dissecting and analyzing. And Coach Hetzel said that he, that he just has a tremendous aptitude, IQ for learning and recognizing and diagnosing and attacking and being under control and gaining confidence in all of his skills and abilities and how he can manipulate defenses and react to them to do what it is he wants to do in a given situation. And so if we're seeing a kid with that athleticism, that shooting stroke, which is just absolutely gorgeous, and he also has the IQ to match and the intellect, dude's going to be an (laughs) all-star. Like I don't even think there's any doubt right now. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to carry this franchise after Dame is gone. Uh, Neil Olshay made a, an amazing draft pick that all the Olshay hater, haters are going to have to acknowledge. And uh, the sky's the limit for him. I agree. And what I liked is he had said when he missed similar shots that he was going to learn from it, and he right. did. It's really all I can add to it is that that's what I liked to see that, you know what? The kid said he was going to learn from it, and he totally learned from it, and now he won't. It won't surprise us next time he takes that shot and drills it. Right. So I loved it. And the relationship uh, between him and Billups, you know, it's been one of, uh, you know, nurturing and tough love, but Billups is on him. Like Billups called him out after the Minnesota game. He had six turnovers, I think, and he let, uh, 
Oh my goodness. The D'Angelo Russell blow right by him and get to the rim. And then Ant came and goaltended. That ended up pretty much costing them the game. And Billups came out in the press conference. He's like, man, we let Russell get to the hoop without even making a move. And I was like, Oh snap. That was a direct shot at, at Anthony's defense. And I brought that up to Ant. He's like, he wasn't wrong. And he goes, I knew I'd misplayed that. And I had to learn from that. And, he said, yeah, we talked about it. Bill's talked to me. He told me what I did wrong and what I had to do better. And he goes, I welcome that because that's how his, how his dad was. He said, so I'm, I'm used to that. And uh, he goes, I'll, I'll learn from it. I can't wait to read that article. I know it's going to be great and want to learn more and more about this guy because I think he'll be here for a long time and be such an important player. But uh, guys, we don't, we might not have thought was we we're going to be here a long time. <laughs> uh, Justice Winslow and Josh Hart, who are suddenly, you know, just, like I said, I expected this from Hart, maybe not this fast to suddenly, uh, you know, look like a, you know, a, a, a real strong starter. But I, I've been shocked by Winslow. And so the question is, do you think, have they already solidified their, their roster spot for years to come in this four game stretch? I, I think, I think Hart was always in the plans, um, to keep unless there was, Something out there. So what I think is this. Everybody other than pretty much Amperty and Dame are possibilities to move if you could get something better. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I like is suddenly you have parts that you know can can work. And I love that Justice Winslow is showing this because that guy is a is a player that could be on your team for 10 years or 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, because right. he's productive one way or the other. <laughs> it's just the truth. Like, you get guys that step up like that. He, if, but if you trade him, you'll get value back. You know, he won't right. be different. So, uh, so I'm liking it. I, I think that there's, I think Hart should be a part of this team. I, I hope that he is because I think that that kind of heart and hustle is something the Blazers have missed at times, and it's exactly what Chauncey Billups has said he wanted. So I'd hate to see them lose a guy that pretty much personifies what Chauncey Billups wants in a basketball player. 100%. I mean, Chauncey Billups said about these two, they play the way I want to play. They they have heart, tenacity, competitiveness. Um, They're fearless. They get after it. And his thing has been, look, you can be the most talented guy in the world, but if you don't, play the game the right way, you're going to be a problem for your team at some point. And these guys might not, well, not my not. They're not all-star caliber players. They're not ultra uber talented, but they play with heart and determination, which is what he wants. And both have been phenomenal. And they make the whining and and silly crying that people were doing, both media and fans, just look silly because they're giving you more than what Powell, I know they're two different trades, but they're giving you more than what Powell and uh, Rocco were giving you. I mean, they just are like, there's just no denying that you can go look at yeah, the numbers and, and how they're, how they're playing that, that they're an upgrade. And, um, but, but the number one goal of any NBA team is always to get however many stars you can get. And if there's a trade out there where someone wants those two guys or one of those two guys and you're going to get a star, you're going to make that deal because you can always backfill later as the Blazers just showed by playing, by trading CJ and, and Powell and their $51 million and people were freaking out about it. And now those same people are going, Oh my God, look at this Hart and Winslow guy, two people that no one important cared about. Now they freaking love them. So you can backfill in different ways. You still have to get it. Star power is what's going to win in this league. So I think if there's no trade out there that involves them, 
they're both absolutely going to be back. Like, and I, and I think that they might even consider because, um, Hart has, Hart's contract for next year is not guaranteed, but right. they're either going to pick that up or, um, extend him then because the second year remaining in this deal is a player option. So then he would be in control. Now you could wait for them. He could opt out. Then you'd have his bird rights. So there's many different things they can do with Hart. So clearly Winslow wouldn't be a starting power forward. You want to upgrade there. But if he wants to be here, which he says he does, and if they want to keep him, you know, with one year left on his deal, maybe they sign him to an extension now. It wouldn't be super expensive, but it gives him some security and you know you got him locked in here. So we'll see what happens there. But this is easily one of the better stories of this entire situation is those two blowing up. And that leads us to our next topic. Man, you have to give Chauncey Billups a ton of credit for what they're doing. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, he has said, I want to play a certain way. And now he's got guys playing a certain way and they're executing the way he wants them to execute and they're winning games. No one saw them winning. Now, some people have said it's too bad they had to trade away guys to get to this point. I don't think that's really fair um, completely because people seem to have, like when people ignore injuries, it just bugs the hell out of me. This team was 10 and eight. They'd won four in a row. Dame was back to playing like Dame. And then the back, the abdomen kicked in again. He struggled at Golden State in Utah. He went on the injury list. And then two days later, CJ had a collapsed lung. So for the rest of the year, all of December, when they went two and 11, you had CJ out, you had Dame bat- battling an abdomen. So it wasn't like they weren't playing the way Billups wanted to play. They weren't playing, right? So then yeah. you come into the year and, and then Dame's out. Even when CJ came back on that road trip, they went three and one with CJ in the Look, lineup. It so doesn't matter. CJ, they were playing well. What? It doesn't matter. We don't know. We don't know what he was learning too. Like to yeah, judge all, exactly. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying, judge on what right now, what you said is all that matters. Chauncey Billups is showing he's coached a great job. The last four games has been right. incredible. They've done everything right. The team's playing ridiculously hard. They're playing exactly the way he said he wanted his teams to play. Even when back then we didn't believe that was ever going to happen. Like you're like, huh? He's doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been praising him the whole time. I mean, he's doing a great job. It's that simple. Any criticism on Chauncey Billups of what happened in the past is a waste of breath because all those things you're saying, we don't even actually know who was really hurt, who and what, what was going on behind the scenes. Here's what right. we know. To well, me, we know, I know Yus- a little bit, but <laughs> right. Okay. But Yusuf Nurkic put up 30 points and was a dominant player in a win at Memphis. Boom. That's good coaching. You know, well done. Yeah. You know, like, congrats. There was some issues with some of the things Chauncey was doing in terms of him publicly calling out the team for not playing hard. And then there was some of that veteran, I'm under contract, I make a lot of money moments. And Chauncey was harder, tougher, loved, than people were expecting. Because sometimes, like, Stotts would, like, Stotts wouldn't say certain things. Billups will say and get in your face, show you on the video what you're doing wrong. So there was some, and so now he has a, a roster that's more beholden to him. Everyone on the roster, for the most part, was brought in or young and, and blossoming because of him or brought in now because of him and Hart and Winslow. So there's more of an adherence to him as the leader and as a coach and doing things the way he wants them done. So anyway. 100%. All right. It's time where our uh, fantastic producer jumps in here. It's time for Thien's No Look Pass. What do you got for us, Thien? All right. Aaron was talking about Justice Winslow finding a home here. And one of the things he brought up was uh, he loves to walk. He loves nature walking. That begs the question, what other non-basketball-related things should be added to the Blazers' scouting report as they draft and analyze talent? Two things. One, they aren't uh, slaves to the nightlife. Because one of the things I talked to Anthony about and his parents about is he's really a homebody. 
And so Portland's going to fit him. He's not going to look to leave Portland to go to New York or go to Miami or go to LA. Like, so I, you want, if you draft someone, you want to make sure that that person, I think, is cool with the vibe of Portland, like a Winslow, even like Powell was, like Dame is, like CJ is. You don't want to get someone in here who's going to have these dots in their eyes about going to somewhere, you know, bigger. So that's, that would be my thing. No shacks. No, exactly. No Shaq's dreaming of LA. No Garnett's. I mean, Garnett, you know, he, he kind of wanted out of this. Or I should say Marbury. Marbury is a great example, although you kind of want to get rid of him. Anyway, yeah. what's yours? My, well, to me, it's, it's simple that they can't, they, they got to be cool with all kinds of weather. <laughs> like they can't just be sun bunnies. You know, they can't be guys yes, that grew bunnies. up in, you know, lived in Miami and, and, or LA. I mean, get a guy, and that's all they want, or that's all they right. care about. Like, and right. especially during the season, you know, to me that that if you are a person, like I grew up with four seasons, I lived in the South for a long time, so I was cool with coming back to get some weather. But it's a real thing. Like, people, our summers are amazing. So what I, to me, it be it's helpful when you know you have a player that's going to stay during the summer for at least a little bit. So that they can experience the awesome part of the weather and not just the crappy right. part of the weather. But that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what those are the ones that th- th- I think those two are are real, like not jokes. Like those are real. Like yeah. make sure they don't want nightlife isn't the biggest thing for them. And that they're going to be here a little bit in the summer to appreciate the weather, a little like the Justice Winslow thing that, to appreciate yeah. the good things about Portland. But all right. I think that was a very solid job, guys. I think we're all right. That was. All right, that's it for the Blazer Focus podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week during the All-Star break, maybe, I think. I hope so. <laughs> anyway, we'll come up with something to talk about. Uh, and, uh, hey, let's see where this Blazer team goes. It's going to be interesting. Be sure to click that subscribe button and be sure to give us a positive rating. We would appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on the Blazer Focus podcast.